everyone, and welcome to the Forward Thinking Podcast. It's Chrissy here from CS2. On today's podcast, we have our guest, Lindsay Roethlisberger. She's the head of marketing operations and email at Zapier. And today we're talking about probably everyone in ops's worst enemy. And we're talking about technical debt and why technical debt is actually hindering uh, your marketing, your marketing team. Um, so this is a super important topic. I, I'm surprised we haven't talked about it so far. I, think, I feel like we have in certain forms, but haven't you know, dived deep into it. So welcome to the podcast, uh, Lindsay. Thanks so much for joining. Yeah, thanks for having me, Chrissy. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. Well, before we dive into the, the meat of everything, I just want to kind of hear your origin story, how you got into ops and where you are today, uh, you know, the head of marketing ops and email at Zapier. Yeah, that sounds great. Um, so I, you know, started my career in marketing back in around 2008, and I worked in event marketing and demand generation. But I was really interested in marketing automation at the time. I think it was right when marketing automation platforms were becoming really powerful tools, and you know, everybody was moving to um, digital uh, types of marketing programs at the time. So I started to pivot into marketing ops work um, a few years later. Uh, I, I then took on a role as a digital marketing uh, manager at Oracle, um, which has a really sophisticated operations program. Like they've just, you know, they're so big. So there's so many processes, um, very mm -hmm. centralized operations. Um, so it was interesting to, you know, kind of see how a really mature operations team functions. And then I moved to a startup where um, I was on a very small marketing team and I was doing email and building marketing ops from the ground up. So, um, you know, had no marketing automation, had no CRM. Um, so um, it was a really interesting, I think, juxtaposition going from uh, a really large company to a startup. And so I think being able to experience like both sides of the spectrum there gave me this unique perspective coming into a role at Zapier where I'm in marketing operations leadership. Um, at Zapier, we're experiencing really fast growth. So we're super eager to get marketing systems and tech up and running really quickly, but we also don't want to sacrifice the customer experience or um, our ability to like scale programs when we're ready. So at Zapier, I oversee marketing ops and email. I lead a marketing ops team of six right now. So we cover MarTech, uh, analytics, lead management, and then campaign operations. Nice. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people listening are jealous that you have a team of six. <laughs> oh, I know. Uh, well, the good thing is Zapier like understands the importance yeah. of operations because we serve a lot of operations folks. So I'm very lucky. Yeah, that's one one good thing. I, I I was actually talking about this with my team the other day because I worked in marketing operations at Marketo, and you know I was managing more almost like a bigger team then early on in my career than like some teams I ended up going on to after. But I think it was because the company just knew the importance right. of ops and and how much like resources you need for it, and we're a bit more realistic. So it it was uh, something I took for granted at the time, but. Uh, definitely don't anymore. And when I see our clients, you know, struggle to get headcount as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's like the perfect situation. It's very <laughs> rare though. 
Yeah. When you were starting out, was there uh, a like certain uh, like marketing automation platform that you first started to use or or how did you kind of get like interested in it? Because you you were in events and then you did digital marketing. But at the time when you worked in digital marketing, did you, you know, start using some of the automation tools and you felt comfortable with them? Like what was that kind of transition when you knew, oh, I want to go more into the operations side? Yeah, that's exactly right. I think when I started in event marketing, I was always more interested in, you know, the post-event communications and um, building the segmentation strategy afterwards or promoting the event um, via like personalized marketing programs. And so then I ended up being kind of like the go-to marketing automation person for events. And so that was sort of like my entryway. And and I worked really closely with the marketing ops team. And I was always like, oh, this is cool. Like, I want to do what you're doing. So um, yeah, it, it's interesting. It's my whole career, I've sort of like teetered back and forth because I love marketing campaigns. I love mm. thinking about, uh, you know, lifecycle marketing and digital marketing strategies, but I also love the more technical execution, which is why I've found that I kind of like teeter across both. But I think that works out when you move into more of a leadership role. Like it's helpful in that um, sense. Yeah, I I think so too. I think um, both uh, my co-founder Charlie and I, we, I had backgrounds in marketing us, but we both worked in demand gen. And I think having having kind of that dual skill set of like understanding the, uh, the like the business objectives and the strategy behind the marketing right. versus actually knowing how to execute, I think makes for great leadership. But also I think more and more now marketing ops teams are looked at for some of that strategy too. It's like yeah. you, you're close to the data, you get to understand the data too, like how the marketers would look at the data. So it becomes really useful. Yep, absolutely. Cool. Well, we're going to talk about technical debt today. And I know some people are like cringing when I say it, but it's super important. <laughs> I think you've been in this space um, just as long as me, maybe a little bit longer. And I think at the time, technical debt wasn't even really something you heard. You know, it was more, how do we get our systems running? How can we like adopt this technology and go through this digital transformation? And now I think it's been long enough with people in the systems that technical debt is actually our limiting factor um, because our systems are old. There's a lot sitting in them. But just just kind of set the scene like for you, what to you is technical debt and how and why have companies gotten to where they are with technical debt? Yeah, I think you make such a good point. It's like, we were, you know, years ago, just kind of building and like (laughs) creating the infrastructure to be able to do this really sophisticated, personalized marketing. And now that we have all of these, you know, tools and really high tech um, platforms that we can use as marketers, um, we're now at a point where we want to, you know, expedite the delivery of like a piece of functionality or like a marketing campaign but um, sometimes you move so fast or you implement it in a way that's good for now and not really, you know, perfect for your long-term needs, you kind of have to go back and refactor it. So that's how I think about technical debt. It's, it arises when 
um, you expedite the delivery of a campaign or a piece of marketing functionality, and then you have to go back and kind of refactor it um, as your needs change. Um, so for marketers too, I think like a lack of uh, process can lead to technical debt as well. So mm. um, beyond just, you know, the implementation of different tools, like if you don't create the process for how to use those tools effectively and how to use them consistently, then you're creating a recipe for piles of technical debt building up over time. Yeah. And then when, uh, when it comes to technical debt, like I think a lot of folks don't really like, I think they kind of know, but it's hard for them to understand or tell like if they're maybe like impacted by it. I think also too, with like certain, we have our main systems, like your market automation platform and your CRM, and those are usually rife with technical debt because there's just so much that's sitting in them. Um, but for those uh, folks on who are listening, what are kind of like some signs that marketers need to look for to even tell if they have technical debt or what are some of those like kind of uh, issues that they hit up against to, like you said, like roll out their campaigns or put a new process in place? Yeah, I think there are some little tactical signs that the folks, you know, executing programs will come across. So for example, perhaps you're like having to dig into individual records in your automation system or your CRM that seem off pretty often. Um, Like a lead has the wrong status or it's missing a lead source. Or um, if you're like worried that a slight change to a workflow might break things entirely or bring a whole system down. Like if your team is starting to kind of worry about making changes in your tools. Mm -hmm. Um, Another like sure sign is if if you don't have like a dedicated owner or an administrator for a particular tool, Mm -hmm. um, which definitely can lead to lack of accountability, um, lack of process. So I think those are some of the more obvious signs. I think there are other signs like, um, you know, if you see a sudden downturn in like marketing performance. So if like email metrics start to fall or uh, site visitors start to drop, um, that might mean that you have something to look look into sort of under the hood, um, Mm. if you will. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I think a main thing that you're kind of saying too is like, well, one, all of our tools need administration. I think so many times we're like, oh, we're going to have this tool and we'll just keep adding on and on. But there's never it's kind of expected that maybe marketing ops or an operations team owns it. But this, they're usually strapped. So then no one's actually looking at the tool. But then also with without a lot of resources to or time, you end up like rushing things, which probably wasn't right. like fully thought thought through or tested, which I think is another kind of cofactor to why we got to where we are in the first place, because everyone wants to band-aid because they've unexpected, you know, unrealistic timeframes. And then instead of like pushing in and be like, oh, let's just add on another few weeks to really address this, they just kind of do that band-aid. Like, um, how often do you feel like that happens? And like, I think- Do you, do you see that that could be like something that like, what would, what would be a marketing ops person who's actually trying not to do that? What do you think they should say to leadership to like, kind of 
get the breathing room that they need to like actually address technical debt. Because I, I think that's actually one of the biggest things for marketers is they they feel like a marketing outsource. They feel like they don't have that uh, ability to push back or delay things. Totally. I think like this happens all of the time when a marketing team wants to try a new strategy or tactic and just assumes that the capabilities to do that are there. And then the marketing ops team rushes to like get a program mm -hmm. out the door. And then, you know, there maybe just the right tech stack isn't necessarily in place for it. And, and you all of a sudden your systems start breaking down. Um, but the biggest thing I think for marketing ops teams is to be aware of technical debt and yeah. like, and know where it is and know the impact of it because not all technical debt has to be addressed, but mm -hmm. if you can call it out very explicitly and make your marketing teams and, and leadership aware of the issues and then tie it back to things like efficiency and execution or success of the campaign, um, then that's when you can really start to like get buy-in around the need to sort of like work through some of these issues. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I like that. I like that a lot. I, I think for some folks too, there maybe this could be the first time they're hearing about tech debt. Um, they may not know how to articulate it internally, but why do you think that tech debt goes undiscussed by B2B marketers. Like you don't really scroll LinkedIn and hear a lot no. of people talking about tech debt. I know I I know we have before, but it's very rare. <laughs> it's always people talking about this new tech that you can put in place and something sexy, but why yeah. do you think it goes undiscussed? Yeah, it's it definitely isn't a topic that you see like swirling around in any uh, marketing <laughs> forums. Um, but I think that we know what it is. We just haven't had the language to describe it. Tech mm. debt is a term used in product and engineering quite frequently. And sometimes I think there's just so much similarity between marketing ops teams and product mm -hmm. teams, just in the way that we're building functionality. Like we're, we're building a marketing product and infrastructure. And so we're I think it makes total sense for us to start like using and addressing these terms that folks in the product world have, um, you know, really refined and and know how to speak about. So um, I think we think it's an engineering problem when we hear the word, but I think that operations folks like us have, we definitely worry about this. We, we just maybe don't have the language to to describe it. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. I think having the language to describe it is like one of those key things. I think for folks who are on the call, I think, um, it, you know, kind of researching like just the or like tech technical debt and what that means. And I, I think some of the background is like maybe their internal customers haven't heard about it yet too because of what we said. Like it's, it takes time in some ways. Like you need to accumulate enough debt to feel the pain, right? It's like with, with yeah. money debt. Like, <laughs> you know, you can go your teens just like maybe going a little bit into overdraft and things like that. But over time, if you don't like actually, you know, save your money and you're just like going like deep into debt with like, you know, college and stuff like that like just yeah. over time as you mature uh your systems mature and more and more that accumulates and then you feel that pain and you need to address it so i think there is an element of time 
Um, there's also, like you said, the element of um, just more people coming through and then more tech that you're adding on to yeah. the overall infrastructure. So I think for those who are also fi- trying to figure out like how we got here, that being that being part of the the message is is key. Um, yeah. I also like your uh, comment around um, around the product uh, product teams or like product engineer teams. It's something we talk about at CS2 a lot. We actually have a product mm. mops method and um, oh, cool. really thinking yeah. about like your your team almost like a product team because you have your internal customers, which are like you know the ones uh, like you know sales and stuff like that, and you have your uh, external uh, customers, which is like the prospect and very much compare it to kind of building a tool like Airbnb where you have those like kind of two sets of um, customers, but also just things like a roadmap and sprints and, you know, the coordination between someone who's technical enough to build versus someone who knows the business strategy, like a uh, more of like a product manager. All those are all Mm -hmm. things that I think marketing ops teams can really look to, to see how they can sophisticate their teams over time. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. Yeah. Um, Okay. So um, I think one thing that if you're really going to try and get some, uh, I think, support from the company to address tech debt is if it affects your customer experience or your customers. Uh, That is a way to get some fire under people's butts, uh, for lack of better words. But um, what what effect do you think tech debt also has on the customer or the prospect uh, for these companies who are dealing with it? Yeah, I think nowadays customers know that companies have a lot of information about them. And I think they have really high expectations about how organizations communicate with them. They expect them to have... Um, you know, relevant communications for them. So I think the biggest, one of the biggest things about technical debt, particularly the type of technical debt where your data sources aren't connected or where, Mm. you know, your data is is, um, not centralized, um, customers can start to receive irrelevant information. Um, They can have a poor experience with your website. Um, They can have a conversation with a salesperson who should probably know that they just talked to a support person last week about the same issue. Um, So then it starts to really um, impede their success um, as well as um, their view of your organization as like um, an organization that cares and understands about their, their needs. Yeah. I think too, just from like very simple things of like right now it's, most important, like if you have someone coming in inbound to you, that it's basically you need to roll out the red carpet. Like outbounds are already right. hard enough. So when you do have an interested prospect that is going to your website and want to talk to sales, like that whole experience should be uh, like on point, basically. Like, and that's a competitive advantage, really, um, because a lot of companies really struggle to even do that follow-up quickly, Um, even if it's not just their strategy of their booking on their website or anything like that, but it could be like, like you said, data issues, routing issues, uh, issues with just syncing records into like Salesforce correctly so that it can get routed. Like all of those things could be a a 
from having uh, technical debt as well. And so, but that, like you said, definitely, um, you know, it, it has a real impact on your customer experience and that's revenue loss. Like how many times have we tried reaching out to vendors and if they don't get back to us, or maybe they don't get back to us in the time that we need because we're busy, we forget, or we just go, oh, if this is my experience now, what is it going to be like when I'm a customer? And so you can really even hurt a deal that quickly and that early. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, okay. So, um, I'd say like, and maybe you talk about maybe some of the things that you're doing at, at your company and I, I could talk about maybe some things we're doing with our clients, but yeah. what are some ways B2B marketers or like marketing ops teams, um, like what are some things that we can do to prevent tech debt? And maybe also it'd be interesting yeah. to hear how your marketing ops team also works with some of the other operations teams like sales ops and so forth. Cause obviously we yeah. work in joint systems and sometimes the technical debt of their own systems can impact our own operations. But what are some things you think that they could start with to really prevent tech debt or address it um, if they have it? Yeah, no, great question. I think the first thing is being aware of it. <laughs> so, uh, you know, document it, size it, understand how urgent and important it is. Um, and then we automate as much as possible. Um, so, you know, eliminating manual work and human error um, is key. So, for example, um, our lead intake process. So we use Zaps to maintain consistency there. We we never um, upload spreadsheets or or edit records manually. Um, we also have a lot of alerting processes. So this helps mm. us prevent tech debt from building building up over time. So we have Zaps that alert us of um, you know inconsistent data in our automation system. So. For example, if we have an email campaign that hasn't sent in seven days, um, it reminds us to either turn it off or check and, and see what's going on. Um, we have alerts when UTMs don't follow our naming convention. Mm. Um, and then when uh, our database grows at an inconsistent rate, um, we've set up zaps that alert us in Slack about things like that. Um, and then I think just you know, there are so many new marketing tools and systems um, and the the count grows every day. Uh, so we use Zaps to keep data consistent across tools. Um, when we need data in a certain place, it's fairly easy to like control and manage ourselves um, versus mm -hmm. relying on an engineering team. Um, I think the other thing is like having a well-staffed marketing operations team, of course, like being able to have folks who are accountable for technology, um, who can be focused on enablement, um, and then making sure that data is like extracted from the right tools at the right time. Um, and then to your second point, I think like finding the right level of centralization and process like across your ops teams is just so key and it's different for every business. So mm. Um, we make sure to create guardrails um, for the types of programs that are really repeatable that we want to enable teammates to be able to execute on their own, like our, our marketing counterparts. And then we invest in a lot of training and enablement for our internal end users, too, so that they're um, using the systems consistently um, 
it's hard because you want to find the right balance. Like you want to still allow people to be agile and like try new mm-hmm. things and experiment. And with too much centralization, that can sometimes be at, at risk. But then also yeah. if you sort of like open the floodgates and allow anybody to do anything and any new tool to be implemented, then your risk goes up and the amount of tech debt goes up. So you really have to find uh, the right balance for sure. Yeah. I think of that as like not really being the like being the gatekeeper that says no, but just being kind of like the collaborator to use it as a time to like educate, inform, um, and just collaborate with the team. Like let them know like this, like you said, guardrails are key. Like having just kind of like some rules around, you know, what needs to be approved, what has to have a strategy or owner before like adopting it when to incorporate marketing ops into part of that process um, and what kind of QA processes or things you can do too um, if you do kind of like uh, decentralize a bit but still want to maintain just some element of consistency because <laughs> across the board, right. whether it's like adding on tech or processes or even just you know sending an email out, having some level of like checks and balances is key for maintaining the brand, especially like you said, as companies grow, right. That can be so hard. Yeah. Like if you're too centralized and you grow really fast, then you start to become a bottleneck and you don't Mm -hmm. want marketing ops to be viewed as that internally. So that finding that balance is so important um, Mm -hmm. and hard. It's hard to do. Have you ever encountered where you had to kind of like have conversations with another operations team with their technical debt impacting your performance. So I know for some marketing ops folks on the call who maybe don't have as much access to like say their CRM, they may be rolling out campaigns or trying to sync like campaign members and getting errors, but due to some um, issues on like the CRM side, um, have you like seen that before yourself or what's kind of like some tips you think for how they can address that conversation with another team? Cause it's kind of like knocking on the door and being like, Hey, can you like clean up your room like a bit? <laughs> I have a guest coming over, but like you really need to get them to care. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. All the time. Like this is, uh, I'm definitely uh, familiar with this topic. Yeah, so we have uh, sales operations and customer success operations teams, and I'd say we've hit a pretty good stride in our collaboration with those teams. Um, Mm -hmm. We have, we at Zapier use Slack entirely for all of our communications. Um, So we have sort of a platform channel where we um, provide updates on any um, platform changes to the CRM. Um, Mm. and, and so we kind of like automate this process where we post in the Slack channel, then it sends the change to like a Coda document so that the rest of the ops teams can kind of always like have a log or search Mm. like any recent changes to any of our like shared tools. Um, we've also started doing roadmap planning together, um, Mm -hmm. which has been really helpful and not necessarily that like we work on all of our projects together, but it's just provided a lens into the worlds of these other teams. Um, Cause it is interesting, right? Like we have so much overlap 
as ops teams and, and similarities and the challenges we face. So being able to lean on each other and run ideas past each other has been really valuable. Um, and also we want to remain sort of experts in the venue and for the stakeholders that we serve. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, you kind of, again, like with the centralization, um, topic, you have to find that right, like balance. Um, mm-hmm. but we're, we've definitely made a lot of progress there over the last few months, I think at Zapier. Yeah. Are there any, and your teams are all separate still. You're not under kind of like a revenue operations function, correct? We are. Yeah, not yet. But we have like a channel called Platform RevOps because it's like our shared channel. So we um, we're separate reporting structures right now. But um, the collaboration is the important part in my mind. And Mm -hmm. I feel like that's that is there. Yeah, I'm really happy you said that because I think a lot of the times like an overreaction to like lack of alignment is like trying to force like a RevOps function. But I, I think that's really hard to unless there's like a complete shift across the whole revenue team as well. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes it's like, oh, put the revenue ops together. But then the rest of the teams are still operating separately too with different objectives yeah. and lack of alignment. <laughs> and so it's not really going to left off the ground. But I think to start, leaders like yourself on the marketing ops side or sales ops side could actually still come together, collaborate, but know that they have like different customers that they support, but then the tools that, that they're all using are, you know, everything's touching each other. So just being informed, um, anytime a new change is coming out, like they're aware and, um, you, I feel like it's more, um, it, it does help with accounting for technical debt, but also it can just lead to just speedier, like, you know, launches because everyone right. might have an idea of, oh, this can impact this. And you're fully aware. Um, I think even on the agency side, we try to do all of that research, like ourselves and even connect with, um, you know, key stakeholders outside of the marketing ops team because we do touch those other systems. But when there's not that alignment, we do find times like where a, requ- a request was made, no no one else cleared it, it, it had downstream effects that like we, you know, didn't have access or insight to. So it's just making sure that everyone's kind of aware of what those downstream effects could be so that you don't yes. incur all of these like errors and everything. So alignment, yes. I think, is actually a preventative uh, approach to technical debt too. So um yeah, yes, I, I think 100%. having that's key. And you don't need a RevOps function to do it. Not necessarily, yeah. I totally agree um, with that. Yeah. Um, and I, I loved your – well, one, I am I like that idea of posting something to Slack and then going into a change log. I'm, I'm going to have to research that after this and tell our client leads about that for our clients because yes. um, – I think change log and documentation can also really help with preventing um, technical debt. Like how much of your time for your um, for your team do, do you invest in doing documentation or change management and how do you make it part of your process so it doesn't slow your team down? Yeah, that's such a great question. And it's like another one of those topics that like, sometimes just doesn't feel like cool to talk about, yeah. but, it, but it is just so like foundationally important for operations orgs. 
Um, so yeah, we, we keep a log of any sort of platform changes or changes to like workflows or lead management processes. I think it just feeds into the, um, the, um, you know, documentation strategy that you have. So it's like an element of that. Um, not only documenting how to use your tools, but, um, when changes happen, um, publicly announcing that to the right people. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we do that. We also have, um, reoccurring team meetings across all of our, um, operations teams every two weeks where we talk about what's, what's one thing that the rest of the group should know, uh, that you're working on right now. Um, mm-hmm. so, um, that, and then I think the other thing just goes back to like incorporating this stuff into your roadmap planning so mm-hmm. that like, it's not forgotten that it's actually like sized alongside other work and it's valued alongside other strategic work. Um, and then you can also gauge the, the urgency and the importance to, to create these, tor- these sorts of processes too. Yeah. I think the, the roadmap is definitely key. I think one thing with your roadmap too is like having kind of like a space on it for, for uh, just an area for your document. Like even just starting out a project with a document can be a great place to like collaborate, but then also document as you go and then kind of just like clean it up. And then that's like an artifact that you, you have, but having that then linked from the roadmap is kind of like a good reminder that like you need that there, you know, and like the, maybe part of that being like a communication plan. It's like, okay, now step five, then you post this here or you communicate it here. And then it goes to these people. Um, But making any of those kind of like process reminders within your process, I think can really help. Absolutely. Yeah. I love the idea about written form too. Like we do that a lot just for alignment. It's like, yeah, here's my roadmap item, but like, here's how I would describe the impact of it, how we're going to operationalize it. What are the individual pieces? And then you can get feedback from other ops teams and your like marketing stakeholders too. And there's just so much more visibility and alignment that way. Like at the end of the day, like operations is so central to everything. Like we have line of sight into so many different areas and we can bring a lot of value by being really clear and explicit about what we're working on and why. Totally. Okay. Last question. Um, We always like to ask like what people are doing wrong or the biggest mistake, but what do you think orgs are doing wrong when trying to address technical debt? Like what do you think are, uh, what's one thing that they're, yeah, that you think is maybe doing wrong or even from experience, maybe something that you try that maybe just didn't work. Yeah, I think the biggest thing that people do is that might have some tech debt issues. And so they decide like their systems are horrible and they need to rip out everything and replace everything with new systems. And I would say that's definitely probably um, overkill. Like I think that a lot of times systems aren't working because uh, there's not enough processor um centralization in place to to run it effectively and you're just going to have the same problems in a new tool um so i think that's definitely a big one that i see and hear about a lot um the second is just 
communicating those processes that you create to people and giving them guidelines to use your tools properly um, is is really like the key to addressing technical debt versus the rip and replace. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> tactic. Yeah, rip and replace too has so many other downstream effects. Like people don't realize how much of a lift that is to actually replace, and then also. Like sometimes teams just get frustrated with that approach and then they want to leave and we all know holding on to your talent is key. So I think I agree with you, like the rip and replace is not the way to go. I think you can maybe rip and that actually might be useful. I think a lot of people have some tech that they really just don't need and aren't leveraging. But uh, yeah, I, I see that a lot too. I think people think things are not working. It's wrong. Let's change platforms. That's not really the case. I think they just don't fully understand like what's actually causing those issues. So I totally agree with that. Um, cool. Well, I just want to end with, um, uh, letting everyone know where they can maybe follow you or learn more from you. Um, I, I thought today's, uh, podcast episode was very interesting, very enlightening for folks and love hearing your tidbits of how you use uh, Zaps at Zapier, which I, I think, you know, secret sauce is something that everyone's really interested in. But where can folks follow along with you and get more insight from you? Yeah, sure. Uh, so I'm on LinkedIn, uh, Lindsay-Rothlisberger. Um, and then um, if you're interested in learning more about Zapier, you can go to our website, zapier.com. And there's lots of information for marketers and other ops folks there in, in different ways to leverage the tool. Awesome. Yeah, we'll be linking out to Lindsay's profile from the uh, description so you can follow her on LinkedIn. And um, yeah, I just want to say thank you so much, Lindsay, for joining today's podcast. It was so nice to have you on. Yeah, thank you. Talk soon. Awesome. Well, if you enjoyed this episode of Forward Thinking, feel free to share it with your colleagues and friends or give us a review. Uh, It helps keep this podcast going and spread the word and we'd really appreciate it. So we'll see everyone next time on Forward Thinking. Have a good one.